We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. John back, drops and drops back. Throws an arching pass upfield. Reggie Townsfield gathers it in on the dead run and races all the way to score for Los Angeles. A 72-yard touchdown play. First down inside his own five from his own end zone. Sacked in a safety on Rudolph. Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews got to him. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Side steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still in his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back. Number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul from the Coast, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. And let me tell you something. If you are visiting our show today and you're expecting happy, happy, joy, joy, yay, 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 go Rams stuff, you probably should turn the podcast off now because we're going to have a little bit. This is not going to be one of those episodes where, at least for me, maybe Mike will, but knowing Mike's previous comments, no. Um, <laughs> this is not one of those podcasts where we try and find all the positives here. When you lose to a winless football team on your home field with the playoffs in focus and you have a shot at the number one seed, no, 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 uh-uh, no, 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 Mike, I'm going to jump right into it with you. How you doing, bud? 
Hey, man, I'm doing good, DC. And uh, like you said, I don't know if it's going to be the pom-pom and the rah-rah and the, the band playing type of day, but man, let's get into it. Get into it. There's a lot to get into, and, it's, and a lot of it's not good. I mean, let's just be honest about that. But folks, before we get there, when I ask you to head over to Apple Music or the Apple app, as someone wrote me this week and told me to remind people, you can leave a review there for us. A five-star review would be wonderful. Wonderful. Five-star review, wonderful. Helps us build the charts. Also, subscribe. Those are two biggest things that can help us with subscribe. Any app that you are on that you listen to, subscribe. It helps us out. We appreciate it. And, of course, don't forget our website, ramstop.net, where guys like Bob Smith and Johnny, they put work up there to help get you ready for every game and talk about some serious Rams history as well. So give it a shot. Okay, so... You know, I'm going to break down the numbers just because we should. Uh, it's not pretty, but we'll do it. And then I guess we'll go from there. Let's get, okay, to, get into Total it. yards. Total yards. LA, 303. The Jets, 289. Passing yards, 196 for the Jets, 189 for the Rams. Rams, 114 rushing yards. The Jets, 93. Average yards for play, 5.4. Jets, 4.5. The numbers are pretty close. They shouldn't be. Jets win 23-20. One turnover in the game. That's an interception by Jared Goff. A bad one. We've got to be honest. The Rams should give it three sacks. The, Jet, the Jets had two. Fourth, uh, sorry, third down efficiency, 41%. The Rams, 18%. Here it is, time of possession. 34-15 for the Jets. 25-45 for the Rams. Six penalties for the Jets. Five for the Rams. Penalties... They're not that high compared to what they could be, but there were some pretty bad ones in this game that hurt the Rams at the worst time. Individually, let's see if they pop up for us because sometimes they don't. Jared Goff, 22 of 34, two touchdowns, one interception, 209 yards uh, passing, 15 carries for 63 yards for Cam Akers, who, by the way, played hurt much in the game. Some respect for him. Robert Woods, one carry, 40 yards. That's how you should use Jet Sweep, by the way. That, yeah. I mean, that, that's yeah. fair. They, they, they threw in there at, at an opportune time. Receiving, Tyler Higby, 4 for 67. Uh, Robert Woods, 6 for 56. Cooper Cup, 5 for 39. Oh, boy. Jared Everett, Joel Everett, 2 for 28. Josh Rawls, 2 for 9. Let's see here. The Jets. The Jets. 22-31 for Sam Darnold, 207 yards. A touchdown. Frank Gore, 23-59. One touchdown. Jamison Crowder, 6 for 66. Uh, Chris Herndon, 3 for 48. Ty Johnson, 6 for 39. In what was generally a ball control offense for the Jets. Oh, boy. Man, I don't even know where to go. I, I mean, how do you know where to go? You know, I didn't want to podcast last We could have podcasted last night. I didn't want to. Was, that, that was an emotional game you're it's embarrassing man you lose to an 0-13 team with when you're trying to lock up your division i mean the rams still have their nfc west testing their hands they they've pretty much lost out in the number one seed mike i mean how do you really kind of put this out there in a game like this where i mean the talent level the talent disparity between the two teams isn't even close right now uh, how do you even how do you put this into words well i mean the fact is you're still dealing with an NFL football team. And the fact is simply any given Sunday, any team can be another team because 
it is the NFL. You know, you can go down position by position and go, oh, this guy's better than that guy, this guy's that guy. But we talked about it last week. Could this be a setup, a trap game, all those type of things? It was in the making. And you have to, as a player, you got to make sure you double down on film study. I mean, they had four extra days. What they did with those four extra days must not have been much because they look like they just came out there after being at practice for two days. Hey, man, let's just go play this team, you know, take 20 days off instead of the normal one or two days with the extra days off. And they just didn't show up. But it just goes to show when you're playing a team that has some integrity, some pride about themselves, and say what you want about Greg Williams, but those guys were flying around on that Jet defense. I mean, you had four or five guys getting to the ball every time. And don't forget that Greg Williams, though, was fired already. You know, so they're, they're basically their backup in terms of their, their defensive coordinator. They, they got rid of him. But you don't spend a year around a team you know, and not have an impact on them in terms of what your personality is. And, and Greg Williams has always been the kind of guy who will, who will instill, for all his flaws, he does instill pride in his defenses. Yeah, absolutely. And and you got to look at that front four and front seven for the Jets. I mean, they were getting after Jarrett all day long, and they were harassing that guy. And I, I think that's part of the one of the knocks on Jarrett is if you get after him, that dude will get rattled. And sure enough, they got after him. You know, sometimes he, he looked like he was making some plays, but I just don't know if this is a guy that can put a team on his back and take him to the promised land. Well, I mean, I think we've seen that he can. You know, I think I, I'll go back to the Saints-Rams championship game. You know, he did it then, but the reality is he hasn't done it enough. And I'm wondering at this point, Numerous things. I mean, got into a big debate last night on the Rams Talk Twitter. And uh, I mean, this year's been a tough year a lot of times. I mean, usually every year I will live tweet the game. This year I've actually been working so much that I barely ever have time to tweet on the Rams Talk account, let alone um, cover the games. So after the game, though, I did post something because I re- immediately, Mike, I'm seeing people levying the blame all at Jared Goff. Okay. And that's usually going to happen when you're a franchise quarterback you're paying less money to. And he definitely didn't play well. He had his moments. He did. I mean, he had he made some nice plays in there. But, I mean, for a full four quarters, no. But there were other problems as well. And I, I forget who it was. I'm not trying to call it this fan who who has definitely been a loyal fan and listened in and, and interacted with us for years. He pretty much put it all on Jared Goff's shoulders. Did Jared Goff cause his loss? Well. No. No, absolutely not. This was a team loss. Jerry Goff had one turnover. That interception was bad. We could, we, that was a bad interception. Am I, am I wrong there? No, I mean, the, the interception speaks for itself. But <laughs> I, th- I think what an overall fan would say, you got to look at everything in totality. I mean, he's bouncing balls off the turf. He's taking sacks. He's throwing balls. He's almost getting picks that those weren't picks. So there are those type of things. Decisions, you know, we'll probably get to it, talk about it at the end of the game. You got literally third and four, and you go for two bombs. 
one with your your running back who's uh limping uh as though you go oh we got him tricked like he's gonna just be wide open and then with uh the tight end at the end of the game masked up on the safety so on one hand you can say okay we got the height advantage and things like that we can throw outside get outside because they weren't playing technically zero coverage but technically zero cover safety in the middle but you're throwing to the outside guys the safety's not going to be able to get there so those corners in this case was a safety guard and uh, our tight end uh gerald everett but he just makes a good play on it but you got two guys pretty much open underneath for the first down on quick outs that you're just trying to get the first down so i think that's what overall is like decision making why are you throwing deep twice instead of just picking up the first down well i mean if we're gonna look at the quotes here um this was from the press conference last night sean mcveigh when asked about this said yeah well we felt like we were going to be able to get an opportunity. Really, on the third down, we had some looks that we felt like we had a good had a good isolation, but clearly we have to be able to progress there. And then on fourth down, had Gerald Everett in a man-to-man situation, then Cooper on an underneath route, where if we didn't love that, kind of a little high-low, ultimately we didn't make those plays, but we got the coverage and the looks that we were looking for there. So in other words, you were confident enough in yourself to go for on those third and fourth and short there, and you didn't execute your time. You had the looks you wanted. They weren't there. Exactly. And that was the difference, I think, in overall in the game. You know, it, there was a stretch in the second half. They went three and out seven straight times. And so you can't really win a game when it comes down to that. You can't get a punt block when it comes down to that. You mean you the first half? Well, the first half. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh the stretch where they were yeah. like 0 for 7 on third downs. There you go. Uh, and then, you know, little things. I mean, you got a punt return. Nassim Webster technically has a touchdown. He gets tackled by the punter. It's like, okay, man, you got to be able to beat one man. But he just kind of ran like the punter wasn't going to tackle him. And he just kind of ran right by him. He didn't just, he didn't really try to set him up. He just act like he, he didn't even, uh, you know, really pay attention to him. And so he just kind of ran right into the tackle. Then he got up slapping his hand like, oh, man, I can't believe that. But typically when you have a return specialist like with his caliber, one guy should never be able to make an open field tackle on you. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, attracting, quote, unquote, I think we mentioned this before. And I talked about with we talked with Glenn Naughton from Jets Nation this week. I mean, he, he felt there was no chance that the Jets would win this game. And after talking with him, I kind of felt a little bit the same way. Man, follow your gut here. The Rams play down to opponents. This is why I advocated, Mike, for the Rams to go out there and go balls the wall, try yes. and put this game away, get that blowout. Yes. Don't let this team in the game. Show you have a killer instinct. Here's my problem with the Rams right now. Here's my problem, Mike, is they play down to opponents instead of taking the opportunity to send a message. They, they and then somehow, some way, they'll get up for a Patriots or they'll get up, but they'll play down to opponents. They had, you know, Four Niners are built to beat them. We've said that numerous times, but they had an injured Four Niner team twice this year and they wet the bed twice. That's what I call it last. I call it wet in the bed. You have an opportunity 
to go out there and set the stage. Those are three games that, given the situation that they were in, they should have won. Absolutely. And when you look at it, and again, we we talked about a little a lot last year in regards to matchups. How come certain teams against certain other teams do well or not so well? You look at the 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 49er Dallas game, and Dallas goes and somehow blows them dudes out. And you go, okay, that doesn't make any sense. How does Dallas blow this team out? And we get stuffed by them like we can't even play. You look at this game, and I'm telling you, when you break it down to the finite thing, it comes down to, again, affordable plays. We had a touchdown to go up, technically, would have been 24-23, call back on, guess what? A holding penalty. And then you go, oh, no problem. We score. We should be able to put it in there. Oh, no, we don't. We're, we, we have to we get held by two, three points. So when you look at those things, no holding penalty, touchdown. Uh, kick returner, make the punter miss touchdown uh and then i'm gonna talk about a play on defense that i'm pretty sure was a blown coverage by our middle linebacker but that's just me okay well let's go there one second here i do want to comment this because i, I don't want to put me to get lost like i kind of went off a tangent here and i'm gonna wrap back around to the conversation about golf and what i'm trying to say is is, is it's not just golf it's more than golf when your offensive line gets shelled by the New York interior, okay, when your receivers and tight ends are dropping passes, Gerald Everett dropped a couple yesterday particularly, okay. When it's not just Jared Goff, this is a team game. And so when people say, well, this is all Goff, this is Goff's fault, it's partly Goff's fault. Goff didn't, didn't show out the way he should have. Goff, to me, has all the physical tools, but he and, and he t- and I want to kind of separate this. My golf shows toughness. He does. He'll, he'll take a hit. Golf will, when given time, he'll read his progressions. But golf, there's a difference. There's a difference between toughness and poise. There's a difference between toughness and leadership. And in games like this, when things aren't going your way, where's the leadership from your quarterback? That's my thing. I refuse to put a, a loss where you have penalties, you had some defensive breakdowns, you had certain offensive line breakdowns, you had receivers dropping passes, and Jared Goff not playing his best. I refuse to put all those factors on Goff and say it's all his fault. I'm not going to hold Goff responsible for this loss. This is a team loss if there ever was one. And it's garbage to just put it off on Goff as it's, if it's Goff's the cause. You could have put many a quarterback back there yesterday and you would have the same result. Because the rest of your team played like hot garbage. Does it mean that Goff isn't responsible? Does it mean that Goff, Goff to me, is showing a lack of leadership? The great ones find a way. You didn't see Joe Montana losing to the Jets like this. You wouldn't see Joe Montana losing to a crappy Rams team like this. No, but this is the difference. This is the difference. And this is what I think we, if we're agreeing on, is simply this. The Dan Moreno's, the Joe's, those guys would look down the barrel of a gun and say, shoot it if you want to. If you don't, I am going to get you. You don't get that from Jared Goff. Now, the reason why Jared gets more heat 
then maybe he should. It's called a four-year deal, $134 million, 110 guaranteed. So we talked about this. How much pressure does Jared Goff really feel somebody's going to take his spot? Nah, not really. It's not like Carson Wentz saying, oh, you know what? If I'm going to be the backup now, well, I'm out of here. Yeah, man, because you see a real quarterback going in there playing well. So you like, huh, if you get a couple more looks at this, yeah, I might not get my spot back. Jared Goff doesn't have that. So if you got $110 million guaranteed, bruh, you better be able to do something. So you can say certain quarterbacks, maybe not, maybe not. But the thing is, this is where it comes down to coaching. And this is where you got to put a little bit more on McVay. Jared Goff is not a guy like a Lamar Jackson or any of the other quarterbacks who can extend the plays. If you look at the guy in Kansas City, he extends plays. He just keeps it going. He'll back up, back up, back up, back up, drop a dime. He'll scramble. He'll reverse fields. He'll scramble some more and drop a dime. You know, his receivers, on the other hand, Tyreek Hill, I seen him make some grabs yesterday. I go, now that's a guy making a play for his quarterback. Just outstretched, reaching, making plays. To your point. We don't have those guys that seem to come up with those plays when you've got to have them. They're always a drop. It's like bouncing off of us or, you know, you get it. You can't quite get the first down. You get stopped. So you put all those things in. And yeah, Jared Goff, should he get all the blame? No. But if you got $110 million guaranteed, you're going to take a lot of the heat. I'm not saying he should take heat. I'm saying that if you're going to put everything on him, though, in terms of the responsibility for this loss, you're wrong. And that's not you. I'm, I'm kind of pointing out to the fans. If you go on Facebook, you go on Twitter, and these fans are all passionate. They deserve you know, to be good coverage of it. But if we're going to look at the loss here, this isn't just a Jared Goff loss. And that's what's happening a lot of times this year. Jared Goff himself... He's made a lot of mistakes. He's what leading the league now in turnovers the last two years. Don't get me wrong. He he owns some. He owns a good part of it. But to put the loss on him overall, no, you can't even put the loss yesterday on him because there were just too many mistakes across the board. And you're talking about Sean McVay. Sean McVay to me, we've talked about this as well, and he said it himself. And, and you know what? Uh, <sighs> I've been on him about saying things like this all year for like the last year and change where he would, you know, initially he would take ownership and then he would, it, it became same old, same old. But here you go. This is what he said yesterday. I have to do a better job of co- of getting us ready to go. And really, it was in all three phases. It wasn't good enough. This loss will demoralize us only as much as we allow it to. It's going to be embarrassing. Sick to your stomach about it. But we have two games left and we have to find a way to respond and rebound on a short week. Not really a short week, but this week we had, as we get ready for the, the Seahawks. That was very humbling. And it's going to be humbling. But we're going to move forward. That's exactly what we'll do. That's all I know how to do. Key words there, Mike. That's all I know how to do. Because you do it all the freaking time. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you come out all the freaking time. You have great performances and your team lays an egg. 
you know what, you're taking responsibility, and I've been on him about this, but at least this time he's dead on about it. Yes, you have to do a better job of getting your team ready to go. That's what an NFL coach, you can scheme all you want. You're a great schemer. He, has, he is creative. He, does, he, he did a great job in bringing in Staley. Brandon Staley was a nobody. Nobody was thinking about him a couple years ago. Now he's a possible head coaching candidate. Hindsight being 2020, his decision to let Wade Phillips go and bring on Staley it was brilliant. This defense is outstanding. Yet, if there's a deficiency in his game, in his coaching right now, and this is where he's got to grow, Sean McVay has to grow. It is just, this is a full court press. This is game after game. Killer instinct. You have to have this team ready every time. You cannot drop the you cannot drop the ball. Bill Walsh's teams did not drop the ball very often. I can think of one game, 1990. You played in that game, I believe. Went to San Francisco. You guys beat the 49ers 28-17 off yeah. a 10-minute drive in the fourth quarter. One of the one of my favorite games, even though it was a horrible season that year. The Rams show what they were capable of in that game. In a 20-17 win, that was the Rams imposing their will on a team. How often did the 49ers let that happen? It was so rare for the 49ers to drop the ball like that against a team. That's the only time I can really think of. During the Bill Walsh, um, the Bill Walsh, George, whatever, I forget, what was his name? Who followed him up? George Seifert. Yeah, thank you. George Seifert, Eric, there was those were so rare. Think of the Rams in the last two years. How many times have Sean McVay teams dropped the ball against weaker opponents like this? Yeah, I mean, you're right, Derek. I mean, and the fact is, uh, to your point, I played in many of those games against those vaunted Niners, as they would think. Um, and we had them beat at least three or four other times if somehow they would say, no, we're the Niners, we're going to walk out of here with a win. In some way, somehow, they would figure out how to get it done. And so, uh, to your point, when you look at our Rams, especially as of yesterday, but we've been talking about this all season. My term has been fool's goal. You know, which, you're like, yeah, which Ram team is going to show up? You know, is it going to be the one with the killer instinct? Or is it going to be the one that lets a team kind of hang on, hang on, hang on? And that's what happened. I mean, if you look at yesterday, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, but the defense bowed their neck again and made them kick field goals about three, three times down there, two or three times. Those could have been points. Same as for our Rams. You know, we had some chance to put it in the end zone and we didn't. And so when it comes down to it, what team, and then it comes down to individual as well, you know, but with McVeigh, you, you want to be able to see him do some things that allow whatever deficiencies our quarterback may or may not have to work to his strengths. And so when you start calling those deep routes and you know your line has to hold up, well, Yesterday wasn't the day that the line was going to be able to hold up for that three to four seconds that you need to when you're running those deeper routes. So you got to just start calling more check downs, dump offs, things like that, uh, crossing patterns, things that, that get it going. So uh, 
you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, McVay may need to go. You know, you got third and 20 and you want to run a handoff to the running back or you want to run a screen to the running back. And then it's not even anyone else but Malcolm Brown who will get you, like we said, he'll get you eight. He'll get you six or eight like Frank Gore. He go get you four. But is he going to be that breakaway? No. But if you're going to have Malcolm Brown in and say, look, you're going to have to stop him all day. Well, then let's go to smash mouth offense. If you're not, then you got to play to your strength. And I think you talked about a couple weeks ago. What is our identity? What is our identity, Derek? What's our identity? I don't know. What, you know, what are they? I think we know who they are. I think they're a team that, that needs to run the football, that strives for the power game and uses that power game to wear teams out using the passing game off of that. They're a play-action team. So they didn't play to their strengths yesterday. And, I mean, I, part of me gets it. Cam Akers was hurt. You never established a running game with it. The, the offensive line didn't get a whole lot. But that's why I keep saying this isn't just a, a golf loss. You, the offensive line was not good yesterday. They were not, they weren't there. The, nobody was, this team sleepwalked the first half. The defense held them in the game. There are, this is a team, to me, that was not mentally right for this game against an 0-13 team. We're looking past it for the Seahawks, probably. What would you do for the last 10 days? You had 10 days off. Just chilling like a villain? Yeah. Sitting at home getting fat? You're pros. You want people to go out there and buy your jerseys, buy your merchandise, eventually be able to show up at your games and pay gajillions of dollars at SoFi when the season's open. And you can't beat the Jets when they're 0-13 and they're looking. They're trying to get the number one pick. They're trying to get Trevor Lawrence or whoever it is. Yeah. But they have yeah. enough pride to, They have enough pride to try and win. What, what is going on? Ten days off. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm telling you, I, I believe they look forward to Christmas. You had 10 days off. You probably took too many days off because, again, when you're getting a lot of either offsides and holding penalties, that just shows that your line is just, you know, a little bit out of sync. A lot of times that's from, you know, practice. You know, you see that early in the season. We shouldn't see that late in the season. You know what I mean? But if you're used to a practice on a certain hut, 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 and, you know, now you're thinking, oh, did he go two huts or three huts and you jump all sides? So it just seems like they just took the week off and we're looking towards Christmas this week or something because you got to go out there as a football player and say, look, man, and you have enough veterans on the team that should remind everyone, guys, we're not laying an egg today. Let's go. But when you get out 20 to 3, come on. Nah, what? Really? Against the Jets? I mean, that's my real problem with the whole thing. That's, that is the, from beginning to end, that is my issue with the Rams for the, like the last two years. For all of Sean McVay's positives, he has not discovered yet how to mentally prepare his team. And, and also, not just on Sean McVay, you have veteran leaders on this team, okay, who need to lead. And sometimes being quiet and just saying example isn't enough. Sometimes you got to speak it. And honestly, we don't know what goes on in that locker We don't know what's said or not said. But I can tell you what's on the field. 
And it's not good when when the chips aren't down. The chips when the chips are up. When you're heading into a game with all the advantages in the world, where are you? Where where where's the leadership there? Where is where is the focus? What do you want? This Rams franchise has every advantage possible. A young coach who has done great. I mean, for all the criticism we have for Sean Gavay, he still has been a lifesaver for this franchise. That's how the standards have changed now, Mike. The standards aren't, hey, we're going to be okay with an eight and eight year. No, we are not okay with it anymore. Sean McVay, we, Sean McVay is, it's because of him. Him and Leslie and the roster they've been building and the team and organization they've been putting together, this is not a franchise where eight and eight is acceptable anymore. Those days are over. Thank goodness. But the whole reason you play the games in the end is to win a Super Bowl. Am I wrong? That's right. That's right. You, you can't win Super Bowls when you're doing things like this. Absolutely not. You cannot do it, uh, not in any consistency. Now, can you luck up on, hey, a guy was running in the end zone, he fumbled it out of bounds, we got the ball back and kicked the field goal. You know, yeah, you can luck up and get into something, but you, you – if if you saw Russell Wilson, he he nailed it in his post uh, game interview. He talked about man, it's just a, a blessing, a great opportunity to just be in the playoffs again. Being in the playoffs now allows us a chance to now go and play for something. He's like, there's been guys, even Hall of Famers, that definitely didn't win Super Bowl. Some didn't even really make playoffs that much. So to just get to the playoffs allows you just another opportunity and we talk about it all the time it's so what that you make the playoffs if you go home after the first game okay you play one more week than everybody else that, that played the whole year who didn't make the playoffs what good is that not much you can say oh we made it to the first round of wild card or you know whatever no man again i was there we went to the nfc championship we were looking at the super bowl in two weeks from that and we went out and couldn't get it done again against those Niners. And the next thing you know, didn't see close to making it to the Super Bowl for the next like six years that I still played. So you could play 10 years. I had one chance to be in the NFC Championship. A couple other times made the playoffs. So you're absolutely right. Russell Wilson's absolutely right. These playoff things just don't come around just because you say, Hey, we're a certain team. We got X guy. We got this guy. We got a number of pro bowlers. We got this. We got that. No, it doesn't matter. You you can look up and the next thing you know, you, you haven't won a game like the Jets. No way did they say, we're going to go this year and we're going to be the team. No. When you start out at the beginning of the year, everybody is gunning for the Super Bowl. And everybody is in first place at the beginning of the year. And then week after week after week after week, you see if you get more wins in the bank than the next person to just get an opportunity to get in this thing we call the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see how these guys bounce back. Uh, and one more point you made is when we're looking at coaches and we're looking at quarterbacks and you're looking at whoever you think you need to help you get over the top. In our case, you have to look at who some of these people are like, hey, get rid of get rid of McVay, trade golf for a bunch of picks, let's start this thing over. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. We don't need to start it over. 
Okay, we knew there were going to be some changes. We got new coaches. We got new schemes. Uh, we got new players. We got a lot of young players. So part of the growth is, to your point, expectations have changed. So reality is we have a lot of young players in a lot of places, and we need to continue to improve. And so one year you could say, hey, man, well, maybe we've overachieved this year in a COVID situation. But I think after we got off to such a good start and then we won some, some pretty big games, you again, those expectations go, yeah, well, we should be winning the Super Bowl this year. I mean, you don't need to restart everything. You need to fix what's broken within your organization. And I'm grateful that there isn't a whole lot they need to fix. There really isn't. If you're going to sit there and say that, you know, you need to redo the whole thing, then you're talking about carrying down a foundation that's actually pretty good. No, this isn't this is this isn't about players' ability at this point. This is about preparation. This is about where you are mentally. And you can't you can't fix that. If you go just if you go rebuild it now, reload it and restart it all over again and fix it. If you don't fix the mental aspect of how your organization is handling this business, it's just gonna be the same with these new players. Except you're gonna be worse now because you get to build the whole roster all over again. You don't tear it down. You don't go off and you're not going to get better for golf right now with this contract being what it is. Okay, you're not going to go out there and get equal in the trade. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to find better. We want to do get a guy who's been in your offense for four years, get rid of him when he has all the tools available. You got to fix what's in the head. You go. What are you going to do? Go out there and bring somebody else in to learn your system? If no, you fix what you got because you already have the talent. You know. We said this again, and again, and again. I've I've long believed this team is building for next year, and this you know this year, being what they've done, especially defensively, is a bonus to me. But when you've shown you have a Super Bowl defense, a, te- a defense is capable of being a Super Bowl defense at least, you know, and you have a lot of good pieces, a lot of potent good potential pieces on offense. Where's the execution in the end? Where's the execution? And right now. When push comes to shove, the offense is not executing. It's not. Even in the, even in the Patriots game, twenty four three, nice dominating win, but it wasn't it wasn't a dominating win by the offense. The offense is rarely dominated this year, and that's with an offensive line that's been pretty good. A lot of that is on golf. A lot of that's on your play calling. A lot of that's on your leadership. A lot of that is on the the the, the intangibles. Where are the intangibles? Where are the X factors and what makes this team special? Where are those things? In the end, those are the things that need to be sharpened. I'm not sure, Mike, they can be fixed this year either. That stuff you fix over the course of time. Time isn't something they have the luxury of right now. The season's almost over. Where is, your, where is Sean McVay's personal development as a, as a leader, as a coach? Is he stagnating? Is he not? Is he reached a ceiling? I don't think so. Those are the questions I have. And again, this isn't meant to be a singular criticism. This is more on the lines of, listen, you've shown great things as a head coach, as a leader in terms of where they've been. Now what about where, where are you going? How are you going to get your team there? The great coaches, the great players, they lead. 
They're also killers. They should have killed the Jets yesterday. On the field anyways. Not literally because that would be a felony. But that should have been a 35-10, 41-10, 41-3, 41-7 blowout. Sending a message to the entire league. Instead, the message they sent was hot garbage. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so what I love about sports, Derek, is simply this. It, it has a lot to do with life. How do you bounce back? How do you respond in times of adversity? How do you come up with a game plan when you need to switch when something's not working? Uh, there was a fight uh, a few months back, Errol Spence. Well, not a few months, a few weeks ago, Errol Spence and Danny Garcia. In the pre-fight hype, Danny Garcia's dad, who is uh, his trainer, was talking a bunch of stuff about we don't watch film, we don't need to do this for Earl Spence, Danny's going to go out there and he's going to use his hands and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. We got something for everything he wants to bring to the table. Got to the fight and Earl Spence starts just tagging this dude all, all night with this jab. Didn't have an answer for it. They go back to the corner, and his dad is just kind of looking at him like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, son. He, I guess you better go in here and do something. And so that's when we always say it's all fun and games until you get hit in the mouth. What are you going to do? And it seems like the Rams got hit in the mouth early yesterday, and it's like they got, oh. And before you knew it, they were now trying to come up against a team that now had confidence who now was making plays, you know, the second half especially, you know, Sam Donald, Frank Gore, the old school dude, uh, they were able to pick up key third down situations. You know, they even scored on a fourth and goal. And so that's what you got to do down the stretch to, one, beat a good team, which the Jets obviously did. And if you're a good team, you have to do those same things to go ahead and, as you say, put your foot on someone's neck and let them know, no, you're the big dog. And you're not coming in our house stealing anything. You're going home the same way you came in with your, your tail between your legs. Yeah, and now we got to look towards the big one next week. The Rams still control their NFC West destiny. They win next week. They beat Arizona. They're, they're NFC West champions. But now the pressure's on. And at least they typically come back from losses like this and play better and really play, you know, show out. So I'm pretty confident that Sean McVay will have his team ready to go on Sunday night. But that goes back to the question is why didn't you have your team ready to go this time? You know, when, you're, when you have the number one seed possibly at stake, so you're still in it. You still want to, you know, you have a shot at getting a bye. So you're just going to land an egg. Okay, nice job there, killer. You know, it, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating. It really is because why make it hard on yourself when the team they're going to play next week has more to lose than the team you played this week? So next week, is it a game you probably will rise to the occasion? Yeah, we've seen this happen. But what happens if. You're the team that now is on the downslope in November and December, right? So you lay an egg this week. Now you come up against a team who has something to really play for. 
and in my opinion, has a lot more talent on offense that you got to stop. What team is going to show up? Are you going to now have a hangover? And now you have less days. Maybe less days helps you out because it helps guys be focused and not get off track. I don't know. But that's the thing we're talking about. What consistency can we develop on all three phases, as McVay would say? We've seen the defense coming on strong these last month. We've seen the offense at times seem like they could really be an offense that could put up 45 on you, no problem. But for some reason, we don't seem to click in all three phases, or at least two or three of the phases, to make sure that we're that dominant team that we think that they can be. And that's that's the real gist of it right there. All right, folks. I mean, I think we've I think we've hammered this home enough. We're gonna try Christmases this week. It's gonna be a bit of a, of a different schedule. We'll try and get a, a preview podcast out for you. If we don't, Merry Christmas. We'll be back this weekend with the Rams Seahawks. And honestly, I do expect the Rams to play better. So follow us on Twitter at Rams Talker. Sure, at Talk Rams. Follow us at RamsTalk.net, the website. You can subscribe to our podcast. Anywhere you can find me on Twitter at DC. You can find Mike at 1Duke23. And don't forget the Bunny Heads guys will be here to probably tomorrow as well for their breakdown. And you know, Steve and John are going to have lots to say about it. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I do expect to see him play better. We'll see. For Mike and the entire team here at Rams Talk, we'll be back. We're out of here. We're out of here.